welcome to another episode of the Sartoyo and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I am your host, Webster Style, and I want to thank you again for sharing a little bit of your time, which is very precious, to listen to me and my rant about today's issues in the world of Sartorial Geekery. Now, one of the issues that I'm going to rant about ever so slightly today is about accountability and what it is about being a man. I have been taught that men hold themselves accountable for them act their own actions even when no one else does. And more importantly, a man takes his losses like a man. He takes them gracefully. He congratulates the winner and then moves on to use those losses to fuel their greatest successes. Well, currently we have a loser in our midst. It is over a week since the election happened and a few days or so since the election has been called. There is a numerical advantage amongst the votes, regardless of what you think is going on, that says one person won and one person lost. Now, I have always been taught that you hold yourself accountable. And the one thing I've seen, and many of us have seen, during the course of leadership is that blame is not something that someone who is a man does. A man does not blame others for his mistakes. A man does not blame others for his shortcomings, specifically and especially in the professional world. No one, absolutely no one, gets ahead in their job, excuse me, no normal person gets ahead in their job, their position, their career by blaming others for their failures, by blaming others for their mistakes. People have a greater respect for you when you can come to them and say, I screwed up. I messed up. These things happened on my watch. These things happened because I did not have the diligence to go through what needed to be done to get the outcomes that were desired. I didn't try hard enough. Men talk about their failures. Men hold themselves accountable for their failures. What we're seeing today played out across this stage is someone who clearly is not a man and that particularly bothers me because there are many individuals whom I watch on YouTube whom I enjoy their content and many of them are very much with me many of these people me, some of these people are very much in a vein about manhood masculinity being a man how you interact with women I find these shows and topics very interesting very relatable, but more importantly, I love seeing that insight into the perceptions of men are concerned from other men. And one of the things that they constantly champion is about accountability, about being your own man, about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But then it particularly worries me when I see many of these same people in this space uh, are very much in line and support of this individual because he tells it like it is. And that bothers me. I don't care who you like about 
as far as policy and whatnot, but if you are talking about men and manhood and accountability and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and doing it on your own, well, the person who you are championing is very much the antithesis of everything you're speaking of. And that bothers me. And for me, it makes me lose credibility in your arguments and your statements and your points of view because this person who is very clearly the opposite of what you espouse to be is someone who you're championing as being as such. You are a man who tells it like it is, which is the truth, not a lie. You are a man who pulled himself by his own bootstraps. Yes, because you took your wounds, you took your losses, and you used them to be better. You did not moan and be and complain about losing You took it, you moved on, you got better, you learned, and then you became successful. So that is my biggest issue with a lot of content creators that I watch because of this current individual, but also this individual, be a man, be an example to your child and children, even though they are big baby men themselves with the way they uh, talk on the network, networks about the issues, be a man, Take your loss, moved on, and come back stronger. I will respect you for that as being a man. Because let me be frank with you. I made mistakes big and small in my life. But when it comes down to it, when you come and you humble yourself and you acknowledge your losses, you acknowledge your mistakes, people have a better respect for you going forward. And that's that for now. We'll take a break and we'll be back to talk about warrior nuns and Roman Greek gods. And we're back from the break. And I think I'm going to make this episode a little bit longer than usual just because I had to make you guys wait a couple days. Now, as I noticed or as, as I mentioned in the last segment, I have some Netflix to talk about. I've actually gotten a chance to burn through a couple of series on Netflix this week, and I'm going to give you my impressions. Now, I'm not going to give many or any spoilers, just my basic impressions of these two relatively new Netflix series, the first of which is Warrior Nun. Uh, Warrior Nun, Warrior Nun was a surprise. I expected one thing and got something totally different. The basic premise is you have these warrior nuns and the leader of the nun of the nuns or the group of nuns is bestowed powers through a halo, which is implanted into her back. Yes, an actual halo. In the beginning episode, you have the leader of that group is killed in an ambush and they then take the halo out. But one of the nuns, excuse me, one of the helpers of the nuns in order to hide the halo places it inside of the corpse of a young lady who was just delivered from an orphanage well as you can imagine the halo revived her so now this young lady has been brought back to life and she can walk and not just that she can walk because she was dead she can walk because throughout her life until her death she was a paraplegic and confined to the better orphanage since the age of eight when she had an accident uh, that tragically took her parents. So the story is very much about her becoming this woman who's alive and could walk 
and trying to figure out what to do with this new gift and to enjoy life, but also the forces of quote unquote evil, which constantly pop up because she has that halo. And the dynamics between her and the covenant of the sisters and that ongoing relationship and having her understand not just them, but also finding love, finding friendship and understanding those concepts and feeling those concepts and emotions that she has never experienced before in life was really an interesting story. Now, the special effects are very much Netflix-y. Flixy, whereas they are not on par with a major motion picture, but they were serviceable enough for what it is being in 10 episode Netflix series. And it was is based on a comic as well. The comic, I believe, is Warrior, a nun, Aurelia. And I've never read the comic. I do remember vaguely seeing covers and previews and so on and so forth. But what most got me about this series, it wasn't acting, the acting was serviceable action there's some really good action scenes nothing on par with say the action scenes of daredevil season one or even really all of daredevil daredevil has some great action scenes however what got me was it was unpredictable many of these shows these sort of shows you can really sniff out how things are going to go by the time it ends and really left you know, and you enjoyed it, but you're left unsurprised. Let me tell you, you do not see things coming as you get to the last two episodes. There's so many twists, turns, reveals in the course of the first couple episodes, but the last two episodes just throw everything out of the window and throw you for a leap because you never see it coming. You never see the twists and reveals and the character motivations. You never see any of those reveals coming. And it was very refreshing. So many times when you sit down to watch a television series or a movie, if you're someone of a certain age, you've really seen all of the tells. You've really seen all the plot devices, the foreshadowing is used to tell a story over and over and over and over again through the course of your life. So even though the premise may be somewhat new, how that story is structured is not. So I was very pleasantly surprised that this ended the way it did in setting up a season two, which is coming because it is really good. I will contrast this to another Netflix series, The Protector. Protector was one of those series where it was very good in the beginning. It was very good in the beginning. And as you got toward the end, you saw what was going to happen. But not so much you saw what was going to happen. You saw what was going to happen because of the stupidity and arrogance of the main character. You're like, what? And he really did the stupid thing that made it even worse for himself. And as a viewer, I'm like, I can't watch it anymore. I haven't watched any more series, seasons of that series. I think it's four different series with seasons now of that series first first one. This one, because everything was paced very well amongst the 10 episodes, the story was interwoven very well amongst the characters, and then the twists and turns toward the end of the series, you cannot help but come back and want more. And I'm so glad this isn't one of those series that was just canceled out of the blue by Netflix and it's getting a second season. So that's Warrior Nun or Netflix. I highly recommend it. The second one is one of Netflix's newest anime series, 
blood of Zeus. So you're taking your Greek Roman mythology and having another story placed on top of it. Now, this is one that, frankly, I telegraphed a lot of it. You have a main hero who is a uh, bastard child of Zeus, and that causes conflict between Zeus and Hera. And with that, you have this faction of um, evil people who have been transformed through a mechanism you learn about later. They call them a certain word, which I'm not repeating here. It starts with letter D as the opposite of angels. So you see this leader and you see the hero. And even though they look nothing alike, once you learn the backstory of the hero, you already know who the leader of the bad guys is. And that's one of the things I didn't like. Oh, I, I called that for first episode. I called it. I called that relationship right there. I called so many aspects of that story in the first couple of episodes. And it's only eight episodes. However, it is another series that you don't expect it to end the way it does. Um, in some aspects. Some aspects, it's, it's very telegraphed. You, you know who the finals are going to be between. Yada, yada, yada. But there are some of the deception, some of the twists and turns you don't necessarily see coming during the course of the series it's very well animated um, it has a whole host of star studded voice actors which I could care less about who's a voice actor in the series it's all about the story and all about the animation when it comes to an anime but it's 8 episodes excuse me 8 yes 8 episodes so it is a very quick it might be 6 um, anyway it's a quick uh, series to digest each episode is like a half hour long so you can definitely get through it at night another one that I recommend on Netflix Netflix is two for two as far as I'm concerned with some of their more recent series so that is Warrior Nun and Blood of Zeus I definitely recommend you watching both of them after the break we'll talk about one of the things I love the most in life fragrances My fragrance of the week isn't actually a fragrance. It's two fragrances, and they are from the house of Zaharoff. Now, if you've listened to my podcast over the past couple of weeks, months, you know or should know that one of my favorite fragrances right now is Zaharoff Signature Pour Home. It is a fragrance that is one of my signature scents. It is a fragrance that is very sophisticated. It is a very grown man scent, sophisticated. I cannot speak today. However, uh, they have now come out with two flankers to the original, uh, Zaharoff Signature Noir and Signature Royale. First and foremost, I have to say that both of these very much still encapsulate the DNA of the original Zaharoff Signature Poor Home. Uh, both, as you can imagine, are slightly different. I'm not going through a note breakdown because... There are far too many notes to list for each one of those, just as they were with the original Signature Pour Home. However, I'll give my impressions of each. Noir adds a bit of a spiciness. It's very much in the vein of, in my opinion, a nighttime scent. I would definitely wear this one on a date if I was dating. Uh, Royale, Royale adds a creaminess to the DNA, to the formula. I think that that's probably more of the crowd-pleasing of the two. I actually prefer Noir more than Royale. However, uh, with Royale, I've gotten very interesting impressions from uh, those around me. I'll say it at that. They like it. 
So I definitely enjoy both of these. I've only worn them off and on for about a week at the time of this recording. I think that I have to delve more into each of them. One of the things I noticed about Royale is that with the initial uh, spray, I get, and this is not a bad thing, almost a medicinal sort of smell. And it's not a, it smells like Robitussin. It smells like uh, in a magical elixir that a magician is mixing up in the back for you to cure your ailment. It's very, uh, maybe earthy is the word I'm looking for. That's probably not the best way to describe it, but elixiry, uh, like an elixir of the God, so to speak. I was just talking about uh, blood of Zeus earlier, uh, but it's not a bad smell, but it reminds me of something that was just mixed up for you directly to apply uh, to your, in this case, your fragrance ailments. So those are my signature fragrances or my fragrances of the week. Zaharoff Signature Noir and Signature Royale. And this has been another episode of the Sartorian Week podcast where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I've been your host, Webster Style, thank you for joining me in this endeavor, this journey, my rant into sartorial geekery. You can find us at, on the web, websterstyle.com or sartorialandgeek.com, where you not just have previous episodes of the podcast, but you have content going back 11 plus years, style and geek content. Also, find us on Instagram at sartorialandgeek or at Webster Style, drop us a DM, like a picture, what have you. Find us on Twitter at Webster Style. And if you have any comments, show ideas, hey, if you want to be a guest, email us at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Again, that is WebsterStyleMagazine.com. I've been your host, Webster Style. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, be safe and stay blessed.